Welcome, welcome to another episode of Bleeding Blue, and the New York football giants are back. Officially, no way out. Can't run from it now. It's felt like forever since the last time we have been looking forward to a meaningful football Giants game. And today, we will preview the Giants-Jags game this Sunday. We will also recap some roster cuts and the final 53-man roster. We're going to give our overall record predictions, overall outcomes, perceptions for the season, some expectations we have. So without further ado, let's bleed blue. So Brett's been getting angry at me, Boker, for the past two episodes I've been singing. What do you mean? I The past two, you've been there, the Fantasy Football Podcast, I was singing. Mm-hmm. And then I sang in the Yankee Podcast, too. I was singing about um, our introduction of, like, if you're a first-time listener, this is what this podcast is about. And I was I was singing that, and he didn't like that. He wanted me to edit it out so badly, and I didn't. For what? Because he didn't like it? I guess he doesn't like me singing. It's wild. All right, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. We're here. We're here. It's Friday. How are we feeling? It's Friday. My Friday could be a little better. (laughs) Thanks for bringing the energy into the space. Thank you so much. Thank you you so, so much. I'm all full of the energy, you know. All three three people on the logo, again, here. Jimmy Kroll, Michael Bokra, Justin Panik. I'm Justin Panik. I usually... I usually, what's so funny is that I usually like introduce everybody else, but then I never, I give everybody my Twitter handle, which that's really the only thing that matters, but I'm Justin and Jimmy's here. Jimmy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, thanks for asking, Jimmy. I'm great. We're talking Giants football. It's back. If you're a first time listener, welcome. This is a podcast called Bleeding Blue. Um, For the first time in what feels like forever, we actually are having a podcast on the New York football Giants. This is a podcast about the Giants. This is a podcast about the New York baseball Yankees. That doesn't sound good. That does the not e- sound good. No, no, the evil empire. But um, fun. Fun and exciting things happen here. My Twitter handle is at jpenic 74 If you want to follow me, I have more time to tweet now since I have more of a structure to my schedule. So I tweet about the Yankees. I tweet about the Giants. Come talk sports with me. I have some like radical takes on stuff, and I want to talk to people. I especially have some radical takes on Giants quarterback situation. Not fun. That's a great transition. Okay, so. Oh, no, that's not a transition. I want to talk, no, I want to talk about Olivier Vernon first. Doctor's report, or um, what do you call Physical, what, what, do you, what do you call, what do you call the trip to the doctors? A doctor's visit? A well, a doctor's a visit. A well visit. A well visit. I don't even not, know. But he's not well, so why would you call it a well visit when he's fucking injured? That's I'm a great sorry. question. That really is a great question. Um, I don't even know what I want to call this injury report. I hate injury report. Olivier Vernon's really the only guy that we need to, like, that's on, which, thank God. I mean, really, through this yeah. entire training camp and through this entire. Don't jinx it. 
don't jam- all right i'm knocking on my head the fantasy <laughs> fantasy football episode i knocked on my head as wood so i'm knocking on my head again and that brought us good luck so olivier vernon only guy that will probably not be playing on sunday expect lorenzo carter to have a larger role alongside connor barwin and kareem martin and olivier vernon if you don't know he is an outside linebacker very good run stopper a lot of people's pick for like breakout player of the year. I'm pretty sure we talked about him on our first Giants episode as a guy that's going to be really important to this team. He's looked really good this preseason. He's been tossing human beings. He's been tossing people, which is good. He's really looked energetic. And this, this 3-4 defense seems to be more of a natural role for him, not putting his fingers, not putting his hand in the ground as much. So he's going to be important, but they're really taking the conservative approach with him, which I like. I like it a lot, but we will be missing him in terms of this Sunday. But again, conservative approach. Saquon's going to play after not playing since week one of the preseason. Odell Beckham Jr. will be making his first appearance back on the field since week five of last season. First in-game action. Do we expect any kind of rust for Odell Beckham Jr. to start? Of course. Why? Coming off of a devastating knee injury for Beckham and not playing for, what, almost a year? You know, I expect a little rust, but nothing that, you know, a quick couple minutes in the game couldn't fix. I don't think it's going to be anything that bad because he's been practicing with the team. He was in the joint practices practicing against the other team, and they said that was had the same intensity as what would be close to a regular game. So I think we'll be fine. I think what you see sometimes with players or particularly even receivers coming back from injury is just the impact of really getting hit because obviously during practices now, I mean, you're not, you know, you don't really bring anybody to the ground. You don't really make substantial contact in terms of linebackers and safeties really wrapping you up and bringing you to the ground and whatnot. So routes that Beckham's going to be asked to run around the, to run across the middle of the field, slant routes, um, in outs, um, in routes, in out, whoa, in routes, out routes. Those are going to be some things where he may be a little bit hesitant to catch a ball, bringing the ball, fully complete the process of a catch. I love that phrase. Um, <laughs> but uh, those are some. In terms of overall rust, obviously the guy's route running ability, I think, is better than ever, just because obviously he's more experienced and he's had all of this time to recuperate. He's at all of this time to train and heal his body up. I think the route running is going to be more crisp than ever. And that's the things that we're hearing out of Giants camp and out of Giants training camp this entire preseason, that the route running is as great and as better as it, as it, as it's ever been. But again, the nothing can match in play in game practice like in-game practice. I mean, that's kind of like a no-shit Sherlock kind of statement, but if Beckham has maybe a drop or two, especially on balls going across the middle, bracing for some sort of contact and bracing for some sort of hit, especially coming off of an injury like that, I wouldn't be surprised. But rust in terms of route running, absolutely not. All right, let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Because this is what I want to talk about. I feel like nobody wants to talk about this. Put the phone on vibrate, Jimmy. <laughs> what the phone on vibrate? I already yelled at Boker, but um, I feel like this is what I I don't know I don't know if this is what everybody wants to talk about. I honestly feel like this is what everybody doesn't want to talk about because I feel like this is kind of like that conversation that the 
like the, the adults and your parents are like, what are you, what are you going to do with your life? And the Giants are in this, I mean, they really don't have to face this now, but I think smart fans, and I consider myself a relatively smart Giant fan, we've been asking this question ever since um, the end of last season when we solidified the pick with the, you know, the number two pick in the draft. And then especially after April, it's what in the world are we going to do at quarterback? But reacting to some cuts and the final 53-man roster, the biggest cut of them all, Davis Webb, former third-round pick of the 2017 NFL draft. He was cut. He's no longer on the New York Football Giants. So, what are some thoughts that uh we'll start with Jimmy. Jimmy, what are your what are your overall thoughts to to the Davis Webb cut? I was surprised. I didn't see it coming. I thought that they were going to hold on to him for another year or so. But um one of the biggest reactions that I've seen so far is that oh, they're going to keep him over Alex Tanny, which is really wasn't what they did. They kept him over Lalletta. They wanted Tanny just for his experience to help with Lalletta also. It wasn't really between Webb and Tanny. So you're saying that, you know, Lalletta, obviously Lalletta is this regime's quarterback. So it obviously was never a competition in a way between Lalletta and Webb. You're saying it was a competition kind of like between Tanny and Webb and Tanny was the guy that won the spot? No. It wasn't. It was never between Webb and Tanny. It was between Webb and Lalletta. Okay. For the and second if, quarterback spot, they just right. wanted Tanny to play a different role. Right. And if Webb beat out Lulletta, then they would have cut Tanny. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that makes sense. And obviously, the <laughs> Davis Webb, the Giants did not feel that Davis Webb was their guy. I'm not mad that the Giants have cut Davis Webb. I'm not frustrated that the Giants have cut Davis Webb. If you follow me on Twitter, if you are friends with me on Facebook, um, then, or if you even tuned into my Facebook Live the night of the NFL draft, I have no attachments to Davis Webb whatsoever. I have none. I have zero. Obviously, the guy looks strong heading into Giants camp. Everybody looks good in shorts. That's my favorite saying. Guy was working on his footwork. Davis Webb was working on his footwork working on the arm, blah, 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 blah. But once the actual competition started, he faded, and he faded quick. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Boker and I were at one of the Giants practices, and what we basically saw week one of the preseason is what we saw in practice, and that was a constant throughout preseason practices, even against the joint practices against the Lions. His one shining moment, came week two when you know when he performed i mean he had, a, he had a solid game there were even a few balls in that game where he where, where he sailed and he and he and, he, and a few balls that he missed during that game but that was his one shining moment that was it and that was not enough to impress the giants brass and he's no longer on the team my anger my frustration Again, does not come from me thinking that Webb was the future and relying on that. That's what a that's that's the lunacy of some Giants fans and some uh, and and Giants Twitter that you had a very big Davis Webb is the future movement and that excused the fact that the Giants didn't, didn't take a quarterback at number two. I did have hope for Webb and I now all of our hope is basically resting in Lulu Luletta because they were the only things that we had left after you know basically god forbid if eli manning goes down with an injury which i honestly don't think that's even humanly possible because they think that eli manning is, is immortal 
And, um, you know, if God forbid he would ever go down, Davis Webb and Kyle Luletta, those were the things we, we had. And when Eli Manning retires, those were the two sources of hope that I had. But the Giants, my frustration comes from the Giants. They have a utter and complete lack of self-awareness of knowing where they are as a franchise. Now, Jimmy, would you, would you agree with that? Partially, not fully. Why? Why? You're probably about to go into why they haven't picked up a quarterback. They haven't spent anything on a quarterback. They haven't spent like high resources, right? I mean, really, it really just. Where are you going with this? It really, I mean, really, it doesn't stem from I'm just upset that they didn't take a quarterback. I'm just. We need to be realistic about what we have with this Giants roster. It is a. They are very talented football players. The depth just is not there. And the fact that with the moves that they've made, so the Giants have claimed, and where this is basically coming from, the Giants have claimed seven players off of waivers. Win-now teams don't typically claim seven players off of waivers. So I even think the Giants know. The Giants know that they do not have a complete roster. And I think if they did, obviously, then you're talking about they would be truly loony bin then they would need to be checked into a, a mental hospital if that was the case so it's not really just the anger of oh the giants just didn't take the quarterback it's their overall self-perception on who that they think that they are right now they're a win now team that's also trying to rebuild you can't half-ass it and we mentioned that on the first giants episode as well so i have a i have a question for you guys yes do you think now put this Back into perspective, right? 2018, first round, first round draft night. Giants are on the clock. Do you think someone in that war room or someone somewhere else said something about Davis Webb not being the future? Do you think someone... I know a lot of fans said that Davis Webb is the future. Have him sit behind Eli and something like that. But do you think someone in that giant... Uh, organization didn't think Davis Webb was the future and why they would pass on taking a quarterback? The pick at number two had nothing to do with Davis Webb, really. They've come out and said it, Shermer and Gettleman, that that pick, they went off of who was available. It was Barkley and then Donald and the quarterbacks that were there. They felt that they didn't feel that any of the quarterbacks were a fit for the Giants. So... And they felt that Barkley was this great prospect, so they were going to take Barkley instead of trying to force a quarterback on our team that might not end up working. Which I think that's psychotic, the fact that they passed on all those guys. But anyway, that's an April That's an April thing. That's an April conversation. That's not an out conversation. But, Boca, that's a great question because, really, the Giants needed to wait and see what Davis Webb is and was. They had no track record besides his work in college and his play in college of what he was. What we do know, and we know this now, that obviously there is a clear reason why he couldn't even beat out Geno Smith. Why he couldn't even beat Geno Smith out as the second string quarterback. And, he, and they didn't even feel confident enough in him to start that one game where Eli sat. So clearly, clearly, uh, I guess McAdoo was right about something that this guy just wasn't ready and he wasn't good enough. But 
to answer your question, Michael, I really don't think that the Giants knew enough about Davis Webb to make some sort of formal evaluation on who he is and what he could be for the future of this franchise. I think that question was going to be partially answered for them based off of his play in training camp and play in preseason, and obviously didn't work out. Not the guy for the team. And the fact that he cleared waivers, he cleared waivers, and no team in the National Football League wanted to take on that cheap contract wasn't like wasn't like he was signed to five million, ten million dollars, and quarterbacks, quarterback. You you take a cheap quarterback that you can pick up. No team in the National Football League wanted to take on his rookie contract, a former third round pick. Pitiful, pitiful, in my opinion. And that's and again, that's a previous regime. That's not this regime. Their guy is Kyle Luda, Lulu. I'm just calling I'm calling him Lulu. Their guy is Luletta. Their guy's Lulu. And that's what we got. But the Giants' self-awareness in terms of where they think they are as a franchise, thinking that Eli Manning has a few more years left, thinking that this roster is ready to compete, and having Saquon Barkley as the poster boy for this franchise, very misguided. Very misguided in my opinion. All right, any, any final thoughts on Davis Webb? Well, one thing that you didn't say was uh, Shermer came, they hired him as a quarterback guru. That was one of the things that everybody said about him. Apparently, he saw something with Webb that McAdoo and Jay Reese, they didn't see. So he apparently had the reason to cut him, and the rest of the NFL saw it. Nobody picked him up, nobody claimed him, and he ended up on the Jets practice squad, not even on the active roster. So do you think now that Shermer is your head coach, do you think you see something in Kyle Luletta? He went and drafted him, and he's on the roster, so I would hope so. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they would have drafted him if they didn't see something in him, you know? McAdoo saw something in Webb. That was his guy. Um, Shermer and Gettleman. I I mean, I honestly think that the Giants in both years, they needed to take a quarterback, you know? Nat, I think Nassib was Na- – how long ago was Nassib? That was a while ago. Cost- that was a while ago, so my perception of time is just terrible. Basically, when a quarterback reaches the end of his – is approaching the end of his career, you even see this with the Patriots. They, they take quarterbacks in the draft constantly because you just never know. You really never know. And you can develop these guys over time, and eventually they're ready. You know, you ho- or you hope that they're ready. And Giants needed to take a quarterback in the – 2016 draft and they did that with Webb didn't work out and they needed to take another one this year be just because whether they did in the first round whether they did in the third round fourth round obviously after the fourth round you're kind of it's a crapshoot I think it's a crapshoot after the first round anyway but neither here nor there they see something to Luletta they've kept him around and you know what he's actually looked he's looked solid for a rookie you know unlike Davis Webb who did look like a deer in the headlights last year as a rookie and despite the few good throws that he made uh, against Detroit just hasn't worked out. You know, I'm I'm honestly I've lost my I've lost my anger and fr- I I have it. It's there. You know, the anger and frustration over the Giants not doing what they what I think is good for the next 10 to 15 years as opposed to the next 2 years is still present, but it's it's dra- it's draining. It's drained me. I'm ready for this year. I'm ready to talk about football this year. I'm ready to talk about this football team and seeing what they can do. That's really 
what I'm just I'm I'm ready for. So, other roster moves. And overall, just talking about the 53-man roster in general. I talked about a few minutes ago. Again, Giants claimed seven players off of waivers. Three. Three of them defensive backs. And at least four of them are undrafted rookie free agents. So what that's that's basically to me. That's a telltale sign of, of a rebuilding team, right? Like you you're throwing shit at a wall, and especially at the defensive back position, you're throwing shit at a wall and you're hoping that something sticks. Or even if it doesn't stick, you're hoping it doesn't fall to the ground and make a mess all over the place. Right? Is that is that fair? Is that a fair expectation? I would say so. However, a sign of a win-now team as opposed to a rebuilding team, nine players are over the age of 30, which is very different compared to the last couple of years. McAdoo was a guy that kind of believed in, you know, your young guys are kind of going to lead the charge and they're going to gain experience while they play. And youth is the new movement. And I, and I liked it. I was, I was behind that. But, hey, when you have nine players over the age of 30 or at the age of 30, that's a win-now. That's a win-now move. And I, I don't hate the having the experience on the roster i don't hate it so how do you how do we how do we juggle these these two things these two like contrasting forces that are pulling this roster right now are we because i honestly feel like there's been like a consensus ever since david we saw that davis webb has been cut i've seen things on giants twitter that have basically said you know this team is a rebuilding team and it's going to take time. Maybe maybe next year is the year that we really go for it. But how can you honestly say that with the 37-year-old quarterback? And that's my question. Hmm. And I don't know if you've seen the same things that I've been seeing about fans kind of changing their mind about the perception of this year's team. So are Giant fans now saying that this is a rebuilding year? Yeah, particularly with, some, with the Davis Webb cut and the fact that they – have cut guys like Herzlick, which, I mean, his his free ride is over. But especially seeing Darian Thompson go and seeing seeing Andrew Adams go and the fact that just like I said, the fact that 62% of last year's opening day roster is gone. So now it's kind of now that fans have just kind of got the hint. Now that they've seen all these Jerry Reese guys go and they've seen all of them leave, that they've really just, that was the hint that Giants fans needed to finally come out and say, oh, so maybe this year is kind of like a rebuilding year where we're going to somehow also win somewhere in between seven to 10 games. So before all these cuts were made, you know, during the final day, everybody was saying that they were all in and going for a Super Bowl. Which is kind of, I've, I now again. This is just the trends and some thoughts that I'm seeing on Twitter. I'm very big on Twitter. Um, I'm not big personally, but I I'm very big into it. And it's so weird how the perception has changed. It's the the overall tone has changed. It's it's weird, Jimmy. Have now obviously Jimmy Jimmy's not on Twitter. So Jimmy, yeah. have have you kind of seeing who the Giants have cut and then seeing who they're bringing in? Has that kind of like changed your perception on the season at all or no? I mean, coming off of 3-13, and 13, I didn't expect to see a great 13-3 and 3 season. I mean, 
I was always realistic about it. I was always expecting, I said it in the first one, an average season maybe if things go our way, uh, push for a wild card spot. And I, and I think that's that's the consensus. That's a consensus everywhere too. And that's what I'm honestly hoping for. Because in a way, even though the NFC is competitive, it's wide open. It still is very, the NFC is wide open. Very and, wide open. And I'll be one of the first people to tell you that this division, no matter what year it is, no matter who's on whose roster or what team's playing what, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, this division is, in my mind, one of the most wide open divisions, if not the most wide open division in all of the NFL. Every year we seem to have something new happen where, oh, new division leader, no no repeats, uh, wild card spots going here, here. It's this division is the craziest division in football, in my mind. The whole NFC is. Every division in the NFC is this year. How many seasons has it been consecutive seasons that the winner of the NFC East of a certain season the previous year, they were last? It's been worst to first for like the past three seasons or so in the NFC East. Yeah. Can't even go back to even tell you that. Yeah, because, you know, Romo was hurt. And the Dallas Cowboys had a horrid year, and then they mm-hmm. won, and they went, and they – Dak Prescott took over and did what he had to do, and then the Eagles were last in the division that year. The Giants went 11-5. The Redskins had a solid year. Then the Eagles, with Carson Wentz as a, you know, as a rookie, they went down, and then Carson Wentz comes back, and he they, they go worse to first, and then the Giants were last. You know, it's a trend. You know, it's a trend in the end. It's a little stat in, in the NFL. Say, so, hey, you know, NFC East, worst to first. It's been the winner the past consecutive few years. But – NFC East is wide open. NFC is wide open. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. That's the name of the game, any given Sunday. All right, so a few a few positions and kind of like in terms of just talking about the roster cuts, we're almost going to be done with the roster cut talk because it's kind of boring. But depth at cornerback. So here's where we're looking at cornerback right now. Janoris Jenkins, lock. He's the start. He's the lockdown corner. Eli Apple, looked good in camp. Looked shaky in games. I'm 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 still high on Eli Apple. Jimmy, what are you feeling around Eli Apple? Are you taking a are you are you taking everybody's word that he looks good in training camp or are you going based off of the eye test that he hasn't looked good in game action so far? I think he can bounce back definitely. He seemed to look pretty good all well based off the eye test it he hasn't looked good, but based off of what people are saying is that he's been playing good and he's starting to turn it around. So then we're looking at Dante Dion and B B W Webb, former as, cowboy, former really former cowboy, former cowboy. Yeah. How did how did he how did he look? How did he look in a cowboy uniform? No. How did he play football for the Cowboys? That's my question. Oh well, that's literally what I just said. I thought you were talking about how did he look in a cowboy uniform? He looked smoking, Justin. <laughs> no, like, come on, come on, dude. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he wasn't he wasn't all that in a you know in a cowboy uniform but you know maybe he found a home in New York you know well only time will tell well i mean like i said the giants are this is one of those positions where the giants are throwing shit at a wall and they're hoping for something to stick and not completely fall off but, so bdw D- dante dion they're their two guys also with bw webb when bw webb was on the cowboys that was in the years of the dark days, how I like to say, when you know they didn't have anything on defense, so almost everybody looked garbage. So 
you know, this is a new team, new new year for him. Hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll do good. Yeah, so it looks like Webb is actually going to be starting over Dion in the slot. That's something that's a few things that I've been reading, even though Dion's a fan favorite. I know, Jimmy, you're a big fan of Dion, aren't you? Yeah, they both had good preseasons. Dion was a slot guy mostly, but he was hurt for a good part of camp. And then the last game, he got a lot of playing time, and he looked pretty good. I know that they said he's a big locker room guy. Everyone in the locker room is, a, is close with him. Like he's a comedian, kind of. So I would like, you know, if, if Webb starts and Dion's kind of like a depth guy that can fill a, that can fill a role if Apple needs to play, if uh, Jenkins needs to play, or if – I mean, injuries are going to happen. Injuries are going to happen, and this is the position in the group that it's really going to screw us on. So the Giants have signed three. Three new cornerbacks and one cornerback slash safety since they cut William Gay, which I was shocking. Am I, that, I was shocked. That was one of like the guys that you were kind of like excited for as a giant fan. This is a guy that's a previous, you know, solid starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a few years now. And the fact that he didn't make the 53 man roster and they probably chose like an undrafted rookie free agent to take a spot. That's kind of bad. So William Gay is not on the team. And uh, the guy that's going to take his spot, Kareem Moore. Kareem Moore, sixth round, 2018 NFL draft. So, hey, he was drafted. Moore is now the number four safety on the roster. He played cornerback at Boston College. Giants may try to use him at safety. So that's a, that's a depth guy to look out for. Um, Giants have also signed Michael Jordan. Did you know that, Boker, that the Giants signed Michael Jordan? No, no. He came out of retirement, and he's switching up sports now? Yeah, he's playing, uh, he's playing cornerback for the New York Football Giants, yes. Oh, man. Originally, a- originally an undrafted rookie, free agent out of a small school in Missouri Western State in 2016. He spent almost entirely of his rookie series with the LA Rams practice squad. He made two late season starts to close out the regular season. Um, six foot, 202 pound corner, five career pass breakups and 20 career appearances. So good for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's making a comeback. Hmm. Interesting. What's Brady going to say now that we got the real goat? <laughs> 23 or 45? 23. 23. All right, so that's going to be his number. Giants Giants have signed Michael Jordan, not the Michael Jordan of the Chicago Bulls. So, two big safety cuts we mentioned before. Darian Thompson and Andrew Adams cut. Curtis Riley is going to start. Despite the impressive preseason by Andrew Adams, they thought that Curtis Riley would be a more impressive free safety guy. And that's what they really need. I feel like maybe the reason why Adams was cut is because maybe he's a better he's a better tackler. He's a better guy for the strong side. And Giants don't need to strong safety. They have they have Landon Collins. They have somebody that can line up in the box, and they have somebody that can stop the run and blitz the quarterback every once in a while and play the middle of the field on the strong side with the tight end. But maybe they just felt that Andrew Adams couldn't do free safety job, and Curtis Riley got the job over him. So good for him. Wish Andrew Adams the best. Wish he was still on the team. Darian Thompson, former third-round pick, another one of Jerry Reese's a failed uh, second-round pick and then on. Another one that's gone. So that kind of hurts. Guy that had a lot of high expectations around him didn't work out. Another guy, eh, just just didn't work out. Eh, let's just shrug our shoulders, cut him, and move on, which is frustrating. It's frustrating. Any reactions on that? Are we moving Riley on? was a starting free safety all summer. I think that was kind of expected that he was going to be going into week one. 
I'm surprised that they cut both of Adams and Thompson, though. I thought probably one of them would get cut, but I wasn't expecting both. Thompson, although, he was waived injured, so nobody claimed him. He's on the IR. Really? Well, I mean, he's always hurt, so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> A lot of inside linebackers. Probably why the Giants had to cut um, some guys that you didn't really maybe want them to cut is because they have Jonathan Stewart on the team, which don't even get me started on that. I've made, I've made a goal to not mention his name and not get angry about it, but I just got angry about it. Jonathan, Jonathan Stewart. Stewart, the $8 million wonder. Woo! He's a good guy. He's a locker room guy. Um, so the Giants have five inside linebackers on this team, and they have three offensive tackles. That's what they're going in week one with. Wait, can you repeat that? The Giants have – now, remember, we're in a 3-4 defense, so there's two inside linebackers. The Giants have five inside linebackers and three offensive tackles going into week one. Hmm. Isn't, that, isn't that nice? Isn't that like – because offensive line is like – I would what's, – what's weaker on the Giants? The offensive line – or no, let me rephrase this. What's weaker on the Giants? The right side of the offensive line, center, right guard, right tackle, or their defensive backs? What do we think? Probably say the line. Yeah, probably the line. Right side of the line? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. So five inside linebackers, which I feel like they have a lot of depth. They just recently signed um, somebody off of waivers for inside linebacker, and they didn't sign – they signed some – they signed, I think, the guard or – no, they signed a center, but they did not sign any tackles. So God forbid Nate Solder goes down. We are bleeped. Wait. So you have only three tack- three tackles – on the roster, or they're going into week one with... On the roster. The, on the on freaking the roster. roster. So you're going into each game with two starting tackles, obviously, and then you have one tackle in and case Chad Wheeler. injured. That's, that's, that's a little... Uh, mind, mind, I'm mind-blown with that right now. At, at least four. And only one is good. And that's... Solder. Solder, yeah. How's uh, Flowers looked? Flowers looks not as abysmal as he did. What I'm really ha- – I'm so happy that we actually have a head coach that can plan and game plan around his shitty players. <laughs> I Like, that's something that I'm, like, really looking forward to. And – despite the terrible pro football focus grades that Eric Flowers and Patrick Omame have been given on the right side of the offensive line this preseason, you've barely noticed it. Now, again, it's been, you know, what? They get a half of football the third preseason game, a couple series the second preseason game, and a couple series the first preseason game. So it's not a large sample size, but you don't see it. However, Eric Flowers has made a conscious effort for sometimes – for him to for everyone to see how he's still a turnstile. Jimmy, anything to say we before we move on to the Jaguars preview? About the offensive tackles, I'm surprised that they have three and usually what the Giants like to do is they usually every year there's somebody that can play tackle and guard. Right. For a lot of years that was Pew and then usually there's a backup like that too. They don't have anyone that's really playing both. They released and traded all their depth. John Jerry, who you wanna know what? He's not a starter. But, but good depth guy. And you want to know what's you want to know what's. This just lets you know that NFL is a bu- the NFL is a business. 
John Jerry had quite quite a large contract for a subpar mediocre offensive lineman, right? Wouldn't wouldn't you say so, Jimmy? Yeah. They restructured his contract. They made him restructure his contract. It's like you either stay on the Giants and restructure your contract or you're released. So what did he do? He restructured. He restructured the deal. Played, competed the entire training camp, entire preseason, entire the preseason, entire preseason. Week one approaches, doesn't have a job. That's some yeah. cold, cold shit right there. That really is. <laughs> like they, uh, he was honestly just better off if he just got released and then he was able to just go and compete somewhere else for a starting job. But now he just doesn't have anything. So that kind of sucks. That really lets you know that the NFL is a business and that the fact that the Giants don't know how to keep depth on their team and they also traded away the best center on the roster, in my opinion. But hey, they traded away Brett Jones. Yeah, they traded away Brett Jones. Yes, they to did. The, he's with the Vikings and the Giants got like a like a seventh round pick. Yeehaw. Huh. So there goes so there goes the center guard depth right there because that's a I mean even though Brett Jones is kind of like shorter and whatever um, best pass blocking center second half of the season according to the Pro Football Focus last year so and he and he was originally a guard he was just like Jalapio he was he was a guard converted center so now who's the starting center for the Giants Jalapio Jonathan Jalapio Jalapio was really starting all summer though he was starting all summer but real like in in my personal opinion, Brett Jones was the best center on the roster. He was. I mean, you, you just look at the film. You look at what Jones would give you, and you look at what Jalapio would give you at guard. Now, granted, center and guard are two different positions, but the offensive line technique and the offensive line footwork and hand placement, they're all the same. Brett Jones was a better center. And you want to know what? I honestly would be, because Omame looks like a disaster of a contract right now, and that looks like a disaster of a signing. I would be fine with Brett Jones starting at center and Jalapio at guard. If that and then if that's like the circumstances that we would have, sure. I mean, I honestly think that's better than what we have now was Jalapio trying to play center, which I think he may do a fine job. He's gonna be average. But pass blocking I think is gonna be bad. I think right guard center. That's going to be the hole that's going to be exposed all season long in terms of pass blocking. Run blocking, much more confident in. And I think that's a good transition. Jacksonville Jaguars. We play the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday. We play them at home. They are on Fox at 1 o'clock. What do we think is going to happen? Boker, we're going to start with you. Who's winning this game? Uh, a flip of the coin here is in my opinion. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Jaguars, not because I'm a Cowboy fan, but I don't know how good that line's going to hold up against that very good Jacksonville you know, front that they have. Uh, I think Jacksonville's defense is ferocious. I'm excited for Beckham versus Ramsey. That's going to be amazing to watch. Can't wait for that. Don't know how Eli's going to look. Don't know what's going to happen with Barkley. In terms of the offense, they also have a very good first-round running back in Leonard Fournette. The only thing I'm concerned about over there is their wide receiving core and obviously their quarterback. But they got a decent line. You know, it's going to be interesting. But like I said, coin flip for me, I'm going with Jacksonville just on the overall better defense, better secondary. Jimmy. Jacksonville hasn't shown anything since last year that they're a different team. Like, Jacksonville was phenomenal last year. They had a great defense and the offense did enough to get the job done. 
I'd have to go with them because the Giants could still be a good team this year. We could be a good team, end up with a good re- winning record, and we could still lose this game. Jacksonville was just that good last year. That was a tough team. Wow. So the pessimistic Giants fan, I'm picking the Giants to win on Sunday. I think the Giants are going to play the more complete game on both sides of the football. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. I think it's actually going to be a pretty similar game to Thursday night's game against the, with the Falcons and the Eagles, where maybe a bit of a sloppy game, but the Giants pull it out. I think it's going to be old school smash mouth football. They're going to really try to get Saquon going. They're going to try to get Saquon going in space. So it's going to be a lot of power plays. Hopefully the power plays are going to work going to the left side where you have Nate Solder and Will Hernandez. Love to see Will Hernandez pulling early in the game, blowing blowing a linebacker, throw, blowing a defensive end up in the beginning of the game, giving Saquon a nice little hole and setting the tone early. That's something that I would like to see early. Some podcasts that I've listened to and that I pay attention to talks a lot about the 21 personnel, which is two running backs, two running backs meaning a one running back and then one fullback, which, hey, a fullback made Shane Smith he made the 53 man roster how exciting is that um two wide receivers so that's 21 personnel two running backs one running back one fullback one tight end two wide receivers your basic eye formation and mat for you Madden players establishing the run can they do it that's going to be the key at least in the beginning I'd say no matter what whether it works or it doesn't work you establish the run in the beginning if it doesn't work you spread the field and then you go to your weapons Angram Shepard Beckham etc the key on defense is going to be take the ball out of Blake. Oh, no, put the ball, oh, not take the ball, put out of Blake Bortles' hands. You want to put the ball in Blake Bortles' hands. Leonard Fournette had the third most rushing attempts in the NFL last year, despite missing three regular season games. Giants' run defense looks legit this, pre- this preseason. They looked legit. James Betcher put a stack in the box constantly. It's going to work, my opinion. Jaguars are going to get pretty predictable in the beginning of the game in terms of when they're going to run, when they're going to pass. You're going to know it. Giants are going to stop the run. Obviously, Olivier Vernon being out is going to be it's going to hurt because he's very, very good. He's a better run defender than he is a pass rusher. Put the ball in Blake Bortles' hands. Get some pressure on the quarterback. Force mistakes. Force Bortles to try to fit the ball into small windows when he's being pressured. Possibly maybe force some turnovers. Giants are going to win the game. Who disagrees with me? I mean, obviously, both of you disagree with me. So, I mean, do, do, you, do, you, do you forecast something else happening in this game? Because, Bokra, Bokra, you mentioned a lot about the, the unknowns, the unknowns of the Giants, and I think that's a strength. Like, I honestly think, right, like, if this game was in Jacksonville and if this game was in, let's just say, maybe like week five, week ten of the, of the season – then I think that's a very different story, and I would pick Jacksonville to win. But the fact that the Giants, Pat Shermer, this is his new scheme. He has his new toys that he can play with in Beckham, um, Barkley, Engram, Eli. I mean, Eli's, Eli's a 37-year-old. He's an experienced quarterback. So he has, he has all these new toys that he can play with and that he's hopefully confident in. You don't know how these guys are going to be used. This is the first time that Barkley... Back Odell, this is the first time this offense is going to be on the field completely together with everybody healthy and everybody there and everybody present. So you don't really know what's going to happen. And I think that's a strength to the Giants as opposed to a weakness. You think it's a weakness, I think it's a strength for this Sunday, at least for this Sunday. We're going to see come game time, right? But I don't know. 
to me, to me, the Jaguars on defense are just overpowered no matter who they're going up against. They got the better linebackers, better cover linebackers, fast linebackers like Telvin Smith, okay, who he's going to probably be on Ingram the whole game. The only con- the only concern I have with the Jaguars is their offense. You know, they lost their, you know, starting wide receiver in Marquise Lee. Now they're going to have probably D.D. Westbrook and uh, I forgot their other receivers. You can't even name them. I mean, they, yeah, lost, they lost Hearns too. They did. Hearns is now a Cowboy. But I, the only player I really know from Jacksonville with that receiving core is D.D. Westbrook. Um, Fournette, they have, they have a pretty good – Second string running back too. I completely. T.J. Yeldon. T.J. Yeldon. Uh, Alabama Crimson Tide running back. There we go. Yeah. So really, I, and I and I said this before we started recording. The Giants' defense is going to win the game rather than the Giants' offense. I think this is going to be a classic, uh, a classic game from 2016. Giants' defense is going to take over, and the game is going to be won. I think field position and special teams are going to be. Super, super, super important, super imperative that we win that battle this game. Like where we are field position wise, that's gonna dictate that's gonna dictate who wins the game. You know, usually if you have if you have, you know, if you're going up against like a team like the Packers, if you're going up against a team like you know, Eagles, insert insert quality elite offense here. If you're going up against that team, field position may not matter. But if you're giving the Jaguars the ball at the 30, 40 yard line because you couldn't get a first down inside your own 10 yard line, yeah, that's a bit of an issue. And I think the Jaguars could put something together, whether they can get a field goal or a touchdown out of it. You know, who knows? But if you're forcing the Jag, if you're winning the field position battle and you're doing what you have to do on that regard, I say the Giants have a better shot at winning when they're winning the field position battle than the Jaguars do. Anything, Jimmy? Um, I just think that the reason why I said Jacksonville is because. That was a good team last year. If they they could very well show up on Sunday and not be the same team as last year. With, I mean, it happened to us last year. We were supposed to be that good team and then fall off. Right. So you never know, and that's exactly why I'm not like I I don't want to like with this episode like kind of like transitioning to overall perception and like record predictions. I don't want to go through each and every game because by the time we get to let's say week nine or even a game like week 13 week nine, we play the 49ers and week 13, we play the bears. The bears have a potential to be, I think somewhat of a good team this year. That defense is unbelievable. And a lot of people are high on the 49ers, but I am not really high on the 49ers. I think everybody's kind of like overhyping the 49ers a little bit. So I hate like before the game, before the season, like, Let's let's nitpick every single game and predict the, you know, what the Giants' record is going to be. Um, I will say this. I will say this. If the Giants are have a winning record after Week Seven, if they have a winning record by Week Seven, if they're above five hundred, then they will make the playoffs. I mean, I, I that's kind of like, you know, that can kind of be like a, a again like a yeah no shit Sherlock kind of like statement but they have the they're they are they have a front-loaded schedule and if they can get out of the first seven weeks 500 even if it's one game above 500 they're making the playoffs so that's something to look forward to what do you think about that jimmy 
I agree, because that's the toughest part of the schedule to come out of that with the winning record. You would hope the second half of the season should be a lot easier. Teams that were scheduled against aren't as good as the first half, because the first half is supposed to be brutal. And it, it, it will be. I mean, again, you can't predict what the Jacksonville Jaguars can come out and have a 6-10 and 10 season after having such a great year last year because they have inconsistent offensive play. I really don't think they're going to have inconsistent defensive play. But again, we didn't think that the Giants' defense last year was going to be so terrible. And it was. It was abysmal. So you really, you just can't, you can't predict anything. Um, but the first half of this, I mean, I, I don't think there is any way around it. I think the first half of the schedule is, is pretty, pretty brutal. What's your, so without even kind of like looking at, you know, obviously I think we all know the schedule and we all know what, who the Giants are going to play. You know, we all know what division the Giants are in. What's, what's your record prediction for the, for the Giants this year? I kind of gave mine before where I said in the range of 7-9 to nine and 10-6. and six. So I'm going to go right smack in the middle. I'm going to say the Giants go 9-7 and seven this year. Well, how about you, Bokrup? What do you think the Giants are going to play with this year? I'm going to backtrack just a second here. I originally said that the Giants would go. I think I said 6-10, and 7-9. I was right there with you guys, I'm pretty sure, in the first episode. If the Giants can get all cylinders clicking on defense and offense, you know, I think they could be, you know, a 10-win team. Okay? Now. I'm also projecting that there will be two, two teams in the NFC East division to go to the playoffs, whether that be who's winning the division, okay, whether that could be the Cowboys or the Giants or the Eagles, okay, and who's going to the, within the wild card game, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Redskins, okay. There will be two teams from this division going into the playoffs. So, I'm going to go with the Giants are going to go 9 and 7, 10 and 6. Pick one. You have to pick one. All right, fine. I went 9 and 7. You went 9 and 7. I'll go 10 and 6. Thank you. Jimmy? I'm in the same range. I was actually going to say 9 and 7. But um, I think if everything clicks, it could go better. If things don't work out our way, it'll be worse. I mean, really, it's going to depend on health. That's really what it's going to depend on, and it's going to depend on whether the Giants have a couple of those games, like like against the 49ers, against uh, I can honestly seeing it happen against maybe like the Buccaneers at home week 11, or even like against the Titans week 15 at home, where the Giants have one of those games where it's like, oh yeah, the Giants are going to win. This game is going to be no problem. You think that everything's just going to be fine. And then they come out and they just crap the bed. And they, and then you're asking yourself, what, what even is this football team? What am I watching right now? You, we definitely have like, I would say rather than last year, cause I was just straight garbage, but previous years, there's, there's been like one or two games that you pointed out at the schedule and you said, what the hell even was that football game? And that always happens with the Giants. You know, that health is very, very, very important in this league. Every team, really? every team looks good on paper. You could write down starters and everything on paper, but you know, when the season comes, you got injuries. You know, it it, it can make or break a team. You yes. know, from going and depth. Yeah, you can even argue that. But why? It's why you need it. 
if you can say that the Giants get everything clicking and everybody stays healthy, they could be, you know, a very, very, very good team. But, you know, when injuries happen, which they are going to happen, you got to have the right guys to fill that position, whatever the position may be, the next man up, say, okay? And everything has to click, okay? Eli has to be that veteran quarterback, okay? That veteran guy who knows what he's doing and can say, I'm the leader in this locker room. I'm going to lead this team. He can't be Queen Eli and, you know, throw 30-some picks like he did in, what, what was that, 2015? Okay? Something like 2015, yeah, yeah. Sure. okay? He's got to be that guy to say, you know what? I need to step up. I need to have a breakout year. Despite being how old I am, I need to step up. And you know what? If they they do that, everybody stays healthy. This team's going to be good. Giants have done every single thing. And I feel like we haven't talked about Eli Manning enough this episode. But the Giants have done every single thing humanly possible to set up this year to be his year. Okay, so I'll just come out and say it. This is the best offense, and this is the best weapons that he's had in his bajillion years since he's been in the league in 2004. This season does rest on the right arm of Eli Manning. Yeah, and, you know, me being a Cowboy fan, of course I hate the Giants. Of course I don't like Eli Manning. But do I want to see him succeed? Of course I do. I mean, look at what happened last year, how they, how Ben McAdoo benched Eli to start Geno Smith. Don't understand that whatsoever. But that was the wrong decision. And was I feeling for Eli? Of course I was. You know, this guy won two Super Bowls for the New York Giants back in his prime, in his heyday, whatever you want to call it, when they had a good team. If this is the best offense, if you honestly say that this is the best offense that this team has, then... This should be, this should, should, should is the key word here, should be a playoff team. Write it in the books, playoff team. And they have a great defense. They have a great head coach. But, again, it's going to rest on Eli. It's going to rest on the team. It's going to rest on depth and injuries. And, you know what, coaching, okay? But other than that, you know, this team could be good. Jimmy, final thoughts. Uh, I agree. If this is the best offense Eli's been around, um, definitely not the offensive line. The ones from the 2007 to the right. 2011 teams was far better. But as far as skill positions go, he's never seen anything like this. You want to talk about some of the great quarterbacks of his era. You have Peyton, you have Brady. They had Brandy Moss and Marvin Harrison. Eli never had. Eli's has Odell now, and then Barkley. They, I think that the talent that Eli has at this point in his career, he's bound to have a big year. So here's an Eli quote, and we're going to wrap up right after this. They made the decision in terms of drafting Barkley and not drafting a quarterback or not get even getting rid of Eli like there was some rumor, like it was rumored to be it probably at some points. They made the decision, and they trusted that I could still play, and I want to prove them correct. I want to prove that they're right. They made the right decision, and I could still play at a high level and lead this team. I know I could still play at a high level. Last year we had a chance. Last year we had a lot of things go wrong, and I have to play better, 
then I did. And he finishes it off with, and I will. Go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. Go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees. Giants game 1 o'clock against the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday on Fox at MetLife Stadium. If you're going to the Giants game, tweet at me, at jpenick 74 Show me some pictures of your tailgate. Show me where you're sitting. I would love to see. I want to be jealous because I'm in D.C. and I can't watch a game and I can't go. Um, so keep on bleeding blue. And we will see you on Monday for a Yankees recap. Say goodbye, Boker. Bye.